Hello world, welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. What a week in the game of golf. Lucas Glover breaks a decade-long winless streak and wins at the John Deere. You got to spend some time up with all the celebs in Tahoe. How was it? Oh, well, it's official. Rob Riggle and I are best friends. Okay. Knew it would happen, and now it's official. We uh, went to dinner the night before the interview. Uh, chemistry was electric, needless to say. So we are officially best buddies now. And uh, yeah, dude, had a, I mean, had a ball up there. That place is so fun. That is the exact right amount of seriousness for a golf tournament. There's a few, there's a handful of guys that want to take it serious and grind and do all this stuff. The rest of the guys are out there having a good time, drinking, mixing it up. Uh, the casino at night, good spot to hang out there. There was some, uh, some action to be had, but had a ball up there, man. Uh, Mark almost died. I, saw I don't know that. if you saw that. That yep. was, um, for those that didn't see it, he went over to watch his boy in between interviews. Justin Tuck, diehard New York Giants fan, one of his favorite players, goes over there for the celebrity long drive. Uh, Tuck gets up there, and <laughs> Mark's got a video. I mean, he toe shanks this driver. It was still coming off hot, probably 150 miles an hour. If, if Mark, who was kneeling down on the ground, if he'd been standing up or someone had been standing directly next to him, they'd be done. It'd be gonzo. So when he came back and was telling us all about it, I was like, okay, it probably wasn't that close. Then I saw the down the line view that someone else took, and this thing was a missile right over his head, dude. So well, it's official. The Giants suck it. at golf and football. Yeah. Uh, side note, if you're going to go out and watch celebs, maybe don't stand on the shank side nope. of any of them. Because they are more it. nervous than anyone. He, In his defense, he was literally like two to maybe three yards in front of the tee box. I mean, he was almost directly sideways. Mm -hmm. Like, it would be take a serious shank. And with an iron, could happen. Driver, you don't really expect it, but thank God Mark's alive. We almost lost the man. Well, Vinny Del Negro, Whisper Rock member, got the job done there in Tahoe. But I was very curious. I was keeping my eye on our man, Sir Charles Barkley, who bet on himself to finish 70th or better. He had a chance, but at yeah. the end of the day, finished tied for 76, lost 100 grand betting on himself. But, I mean, that's just such a cool week. I hope I can go up there at some point. But got to give a tip of the captain, Lucas Glover. That was so cool. I had his group on Sunday. Um, the last five holes, they moved me over to him. And, I mean, the guy is just a machine. He just absolutely flushes the golf ball. And when he can make those short putts, he plays well. And on Sunday, he did it. That was what was cool, coming down the stretch, watching him. Like, we all know what a good ball striker is. He's been that way for forever. The putter's been the bugaboo. He's had real issues with that. Still does sometimes from very short distance. But to close it out the way he did, ends up winning by two, makes the putt on 17, which was a great putt. And then he's got that little testy you know, six, yeah. seven foot or whatever it was on 18 that you got to think if you're in his shoes, like somebody's going to birdie coming in the, the par five. So I need, this one is the one I probably need. And he rolled that thing in, man. And I mean, testament to him 10 years plus outside the winner's circle to get back in it, former major champion, like <laughs> perseverance. And his interview yeah. afterwards was pretty cool. Like he never questioned myself. He had to go back to corn Ferry to her finals twice. So, I mean, a lot of guys, especially that had the success he had could just say, you know what? I don't need it anymore. I'm done. I had a good run, but not him. And now, now he's back, and he's have. I mean, shit, he's way up on the FedEx Cup list, yep. too. He's a stud. Was so happy. His caddy, Coop's one of the best dudes out there. Uh, I was very, very happy for those guys. Looked like good uh, good uh, broadcasting weather for you out oh there, Oh, my too. God. I don't even want to talk about Your it. Your voice I, sounds good, too. <laughs> I just went from 65 and rain to 110. I mean, it's good. you got to shock the system. Jesus. But, anyways, we got another big week coming up. The Open Championship is this week. We're going to get to that. But first... We sit down with our man Jason Gore from the USGA, obviously former PGA Tour player, stud, maybe my long-lost father, I'm not really sure, but always fun sitting down with him. But before we get to that, Sleaze, we got to talk about our guys at Rockform. Oh. The best speaker on the planet, strongest magnet. You, you can run over a small village of people, animals, whatever you want. This thing ain't going to bounce off your golf cart. 
The sound is unbelievable. The battery life is the best part. Battery doesn't quit. I think will not quit. It's like the little engine that could. I think don't stop. Like you said, the magnet will rip the paint off of a Mack truck. And I got three rules when I play golf. I need transfusions. I need a cart. I need rock form. That's the three. Otherwise, I don't play. I can't get out there anymore without this thing. It's the best golf speaker in the business, period. And it can go other places, too. No doubt about it. it I mean, like I said, the battery's incredible. Now you can even store 5,000 songs on this thing. So if you lose service, you still got your music. Go to rockform.com and enter code SUBPAR for 25% off your Rockform speaker. That's R-O-K-F-O-R-M.com. Code SUBPAR for 25% off. Here's Jason Gore on Golf Subpar. All right, what a dude we have with us here today. He's got probably the most impossible job on the planet, making sure Pampered Tour pros have nothing to complain about during USGA events. He is the Senior Director of Player Relations for the USGA. Oh, also, he's just an NCAA champion, seven-time Corn Ferry Tour winner and PGA Tour winner. Jay Gore, welcome to the show, my man. What's up, fellas? How are you? Thanks for having me. You know, I never thought I'd get to interview my long-lost father. This is just incredible. I'm, it's so much fun for me. Happy <laughs> Father's Day. Yeah, have you, you guys thought about getting father's in that father-son tournament? <laughs> That'd be a hell of a team, and no one would question it. No. Oh, Tiger and Charlie, look out. We're coming. <laughs> Landslide. Oh. Well, speaking of Tiger, let's, let's go back to the beginning, because you grew up in Southern California, and you met Tiger at a rather young age. When exactly did you meet him? 12 years old. Wow. Yeah. Was, give us a little insight to what Tiger was like at 12 years old. He was really, really good. Um, he was uh, – I actually pulled this picture up earlier. Did you guys see that? Oh, my oh yeah. God. Wow. Fantastic. <laughs> That's nice. I 14 years old. I just pulled that up to show somebody this morning. But, no, he was really, really good. He uh, – like – you never really realized how good he was going to be because you just figured he was going to burn out. You know, there were so many other players at that time that just were, were, were pushed by their parents, but you never realized that he was self-motivated and he was just better. I mean, he still was just better. So, um, no, you just kind of knew it. You, you knew that if you competed with him and you somehow could maybe just beat him even on a hole, you had something, but um, no, you just, you just great. At what so age? Knew, yeah, I was gonna say, at what age though did did you know that you were something special? Forty-seven. <laughs> still, still getting there. Like, Next year, your prime. Next year, maybe. Yeah, just just uh, maybe three years. I'll be something special, but uh, I don't know. I just kind of figured out that that uh, maybe like when I first started in sixth grade, I just kind of knew that that that's what I wanted to do. And I just wasn't going to give myself myself any options to do something different. It's just that was my love. That's what I, I that's where I wanted to be constantly. And I just knew that I wasn't smart enough to get a job, and I uh, knew I had to do it. Well, you were smart enough to recognize that Tiger was good at age twelve because we just recently had Noda Begay on, and it said I think Cole asked the question like, "When did you know Tiger was something special?" And he's like. You know, I think it was Disney after he turned pro and after he'd won every single thing in the world. I'm like, oh, wow, that's a pretty <laughs> so you're 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 a lot in front of uh, Nota Begay on there. That's for sure. You're smart enough to do that. The three juniors and the three U.S. amateurs didn't didn't. didn't no. Now, 
Didn't no. take it off for him? Okay. Oh, it was a fluke, flash in the pan type of stuff. Another guy whose name always gets thrown around in the Southern California junior golf discussion is Carson Daly. All right, I need it from a from a true golfer like yourself. Give us the lowdown. What kind of a what kind of talent was a young Carson back on the junior circuit? He was actually pretty good. I I uh, I don't remember too much playing with him. I knew like like the, the full honest truth was. I remember playing golf with a guy named Carson and I remember like him being a nice player and I didn't realize that, that was Carson Daly. He's like, yeah, we played junior golf. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're Carson. Like I, I never really kind of put two and two together. It's one of those things. I never, you know, just, I, I didn't know he was Carson Daly until Carson Daly became Carson Daly. So okay. um, at what age was that? 20, probably 30. I remember so, him. I remember seeing him. I just never really put it together. I guess I'm Noda, and maybe Noda would have known better. At that <laughs> um, no, I just kind of he's like, yeah, man, we played junior golf together. I'm like, holy crap, you're right. Like then I all of a sudden remember. I'm like, yeah, that that's him. Just never really. I don't know. That's incredible. Y'all played, yeah, y'all played AT and T Pebble Beach quite a few times together. He's missed every cut with me. In the two years we didn't play, he makes the cut and then he wins with Ken Du. I told him, I'm not, we're never playing together. I love you. We're never playing together again. You're, you, I'm the black cat. I'm just Ken, unlucky. Ken Duke is a horse, though. He can pull anyone around that place and take him to a trophy. When you think of horse, you think of Ken Duke. You think of Kenny. Because yeah. <laughs> actually, when I was getting ready for this, I, I never realized you started out at University of Arizona. So obviously you're a very highly recruited player. What what made you go to Arizona? And then what ultimately made you leave? Um, I was just a 19 year old homesick kid, to be honest with you. I I, um, I got recruited. I was actually roommates with Ted Purdy, Ted Purdy and Gary Matthews. Because oh, the animal, the animal. The animal. I wow. tell you what, it's got some stories, but I I, I don't really remember them I, at that point in my life. But um, yeah, no, we were roommates. Um, roommates with Ted in my freshman year and Gary my sophomore year so um yeah I don't know why I left I was just a 19 year old homesick kid that just wanted to wanted to be home and, and you know looking back on it it was probably the biggest mistake of my life that I just got super lucky to fall into Pepperdine and 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 turned out to be the best decision I ever made so it was uh I got lucky to well, you realize that you're programming you the nation you didn't get just lucky. You were you were pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, you Real were part lucky. of a winning NCAA team in 1997. But I mean, yeah. how about going to school at Pepperdine? I've been on that campus once before. I mean, that's not normal. Your door, you get the ocean ocean view dorm room. It's incredible. It's uh, you know, I just I had I was a psych major, and you know there was like 30 people in every class, and so I literally sat in the back of this one. I had like four classes in one room. And I sat in the back right and I just kind of like hung out and looked out the window to the ocean every day. And, and it was pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah, it, look, it looks more like a four seasons than it does a college camp. I can see, I don't know how every kid that steps foot on there doesn't say like, oh yeah, okay, where do I sign? But like you mentioned, you went on to win the NCAA championship in 1997. Although I got a little tidbit from a potentially a, a former teammate of yours that uh, that team, that 97 team were not the biggest 
into the fitness, into the working out. And your coach, Guy Berger, made it mandatory. And you guys would go out into the canyons and do these like step aerobics. And you weren't into it. And you went to a pretty great lengths to uh, get yourself and the team out of doing that. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I faked a sprained ankle until it, until it uh, I, I faked a slipping off the step aerobics. I mean, you may as well have done mouse or size at that point, you know, like, I guess they were all out of the Suzanne Summer, you know, the five minister things. But um, yeah, no, I faked it and said, well, you can't qualify now. And I was going to the Hawaii trip. And I'm like, damn, foiled again. But uh, so I would, you're okay, 100%. I was you're hundred percent my father. No <laughs> yeah, this is, it, we need a DNA test. We need Maury Povich on this show next week. And just to confirm this for us, but Gore, I was told that you actually faked a head injury and like set it up so that you fell down and you hit your head. And then you, you know, all no. the players went to the coach, like we can't lose Gore. We got to stop working out. This is no, too dangerous. No, it was, it was a, it was an ankle injury. I faked it. Uh, okay. All and right. Then when I left there, I went and hit balls. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Serious injury. I know this play. Serious injury. Yeah. Just, you know, we were probably, you know, not feeling well from being overserved the night before. And it was like 6 a.m. I'm like, I don't want to be here. So I just kind of like slipped off the, off the, uh, off the step aerobics and, and like, ow, ow, ow. And I went down and that was it. That's it. I just didn't want to do it. Then you want a title. No. Well, yeah. No Oscar was given, but, uh, yeah, I wasn't allowed to qualify that afternoon and uh, didn't go to Hawaii. Ooh, well, it's all right. You're still in Malibu. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. But <laughs> it all worked out just just fine, obviously. And then you, you end up going to turn, turn pro after college. What was that transition like? Because here you just told us you got homesick in college, and now you're going out by yourself playing professional golf, traveling the world. Well, it was, it was really hard for me because the day I was supposed to turn pro – I found my dad dead on the floor in our house. So um, that was just one of those things. It, it, my mom was supposed to go to San Antonio for like this conference and he was supposed to take her to the airport. Um, I, was, I was leaving on Tuesday night, Boise, I got a sponsor's invite to Boise and Boise was supposed to be my first event. It was that right after USM. I'm like, all right, cool. And I don't know why I was leaving Tuesday night but I was, I was just gonna play the Pro-Am. I guess my Ralph Cross at that time was my manager, is my manager, whatever. Said, just go there. You don't want to get too involved. Just go there, play the Pro-Am, go play. So she went out, they, she had like a 6.30 flight. He, they walked out to the car and he said, did you turn the lights off? And she goes, no. And my, my last words to my mom was, that's a shocker. And he, she walked back in, he walked back in and never walked back out. And the next thing I know, I hear my mom screaming, I'm sound asleep. And, and in between when I went to Arizona and, and Pepperdine, I went to COC and I kind of went to College of the Canyons, the junior college right by my house and was helping out with the high school golf team. So I had to learn CPR. So there I am the day I'm supposed to turn pro, giving my father CPR and didn't make it. So... I think I kind of used that as like a crutch for a long, long time when I didn't start out in my, you know, start out really well in my career. I mean, I had won, I was on the Walker Cup, I'd won Pacific Coast Am, I won Cal Am, Cal Open. Like I was, I was, I was playing great. And then I just used my excuse for, you know, my dad just died for probably way too long. And 
instead of just saying this is what he wants you to do and so that yeah at that point it was I was just I was mentally toast and, and yeah so um you know it's just one of those things I, I I miss him every day but you know it's like I was lucky to have him for 23 years and, but learning how to travel and that's the difference between playing amateur golf and professional golf is your game traveling your game traveling to different golf courses and doing playing different grasses you know, you're, I remember my first year with Kirk Triplett. When I got my tour card, he said, "Well, congratulations on getting your tour card, and welcome to playing against the greatest players on their home golf courses." And I go, "Oh no, <laughs> right? Like, that's not that's that's not the like uplifting message that I was looking for at, lo- at rookie orientation." But um, no, it was just a lot of learning. It's a, you know, it's not always about the golf; it's about where I'm going to stay, what am I going to eat, where am I going to go, how am I going to hang out with. So there's a lot of parts to, to playing professional golf. And you guys know that. And when, well, one thing go, you probably could have done ahead, a little Cole. better, one thing you could probably could have done a little better is not hang out with Pat Perez quite as much as you did, because I heard you actually drove him around one, one year on the Corn Ferry Tour. That's true. Like, we were, we were just a couple guys. We, we, we adopted a dog in Fort Smith. Um, <laughs> it, it, was, it, it was strange, like – I remember uh, he was going to fly around. I, I had a buddy who owned a car dealership who gave me a forerunner. And I'm like, well, why don't you ride with me? And the next thing I know, he's just occupying my front seat. That was it. And um, we traveled around all summer together. And I mean, you could not imagine how much crap we got in that car. It was shocking. Or how much crap you heard in that car. <laughs> yeah. That too. <laughs> I talked, or yeah, it was, it was incredible. Gore, who? Like you, you for, we forged a friendship that, that, uh, you know, you just can't do anymore because everybody's flying private, and hanging out, and so. Who were the other guys you ran around with? Pat Perez being one of them when you were playing the Corn Ferry Tour at the time. Who were like, who was your running mates? Uh, James O. James O. Kind of did the same thing with me one year. Um, gosh, who else? There was a bunch of them. Uh, Benny Bates, oh, was a legend. 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 Vance, Vance Vizi. Who else? There was a few. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on them, but I'm sorry if they're watching it. I don't remember. But um, there was a few that we ran around with that were. That was were, that time? Mikey when you, Perez. Yeah, Mikey Perez. Perez too. Yeah. Oh, Mikey Perez. Jeez, oh. dude, you were. God, that should have been a reality God. show, dude. Mikey Perez, Pat, those guys. When you look back on it, I know you weren't on the PGA Tour yet, but is that some of the most fun you had playing golf? Because a lot of these tour players we talked to say, like, actually the most fun I had was before, you know, if you're talking about golf and hanging with the fellas and all that stuff, that's the most fun. But the money and obviously the lifestyle of the PGA Tour is is clearly pretty sweet. We didn't know any different. Like, we were, I mean, I I signed the contract with Bugle Boy. Remember that? Um, (laughs) The Bugle. Bugle Boy. Bugle Boy. You were the Bugle Boy. So I had to, this was the greatest contract. I had to wear a new shirt, new pants, and new hat every day. I never did laundry except for, except for, you know, undergarments. But literally, there'd be a box in my locker. And that's, it was like granola stuff. Like, all right, here's khaki pants with blue shirt. Here's blue pants with, with white shirt. Like, it was the greatest thing ever. But yeah, it, it was just, you know, I signed a contract and made 75 grand with them. And I thought I was just 
the king. Like there was not a worry in the world. Like I was playing golf, I was hanging out. You know, I mean, there was one time, like what year was my first? I think it was 2000, my first win. I won on my 17th week in a row. Oh my God. Oh my God. Straight. What what was I doing? What what else did I have to do? Oh my Sleep. God. Yeah. In a lot of things. Yeah. You know, it wasn't what? good enough to like take a couple of weeks off. But yeah, I played 17 straight weeks, just had my car and was just cruising. And I won my 17th week. What'd you do with all the leftover clothes? You wear them one day and get rid of them. Where do they go? Just leave them. Yeah, just leave them. <laughs> I mean, at that point, you nice. wash them and they fall apart. You're like, eh, whatever. Yeah, 100% cotton, not breathable, walking around oh, just, Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, potato sack. Yeah. Oh, I love it. it well, let's, we got to get to 2005. You mentioned you were the king then, but you became the, the prince of Pinehurst in 2005. That's where everybody really got to know Jason Gore. That's where I fell in love and thought I found my father was 2005 around Pinehurst number two at the U.S. Open where you just put on a show for three days looking back like what's the first thing you that kind of comes to your memory about that week at Pinehurst I think it's just how much I learned you know like it was it was it was one of those things it's like I can look back and say ah, dang it I completely screwed up the last round to lose the U.S. Open well first off I never should have been there where I was at and like it was just one of those things it was it happens every year with the U.S. Open and and that's why the U.S. Open is so great. You're going to get people like that that are going to come out of nowhere and, and play great, you know. So, um, like, you got Guido Miliosi, is that who it was? Like just, yeah, Guido. Guido. I mean, you yeah. got to love that. Like, that's what it's all about. Um, but, no, I just was kind of just playing, and I had, like, I didn't have a pot or a window. You know what I mean? So I had nothing, no money. I didn't have enough money to pay for my hotel room that week. Um, and it was just kind of like, all right, let's just see what happens. Let's go. Let's see. So but we see a lot. We see a lot of guys that have like one fluke round that week. But I mean, you're right there. You're co. You're tied for the lead after 36, and then you're in the final group on Sunday. Yeah. I just, I, I, what did I have to lose? It was kind of the same thing. Like, listen, it was. We had an eight-month-old with two ear infections. I had a broken phone that I couldn't see. You know, I had, remember the Sony trios? Remember the phone? Like, you probably don't even remember. Probably too yeah, But it was like it broke the screen on it. I couldn't accept calls or nothing. It was like right when text messages came out, didn't couldn't get text. Anyway, but yeah, it was great. It was just my me and my wife, Jackson, and I, and, and that was it. We were just sitting in a hotel room and just going well, let's just ride this thing. And I mean, for a while, I'm kind of Saturday night, I'm going, wow, this could happen. And I was brimming with confidence and I, w I wish I didn't. I wish I would have said, I wish I would have almost been a little leery of the whole thing because Saturday when I, I mean, Sunday when it kind of got off to a bad start, I started pressing like, you have to aim for this flag. You have to do this. You have to do that. And you just don't do that at Pinehurst. Let alone Pinehurst for the U.S. Open. But um you know, so I learned a lot. I came out the next, my next, what, after a couple of weeks, I won my next three on the Corn Ferry Tour or Nationwide Tour at that time. And I just knew that no matter what I'd ever see again, I'd seen, I'd seen the worst. Like, what, what's going to happen next time? I'm in the final group of a major championship. Well, I'm check. 
been at, you know, been, been there. So um, when I was in a final group of a nationwide event or a corn ferry tour event, like, who cares? This is nothing. This is fun. Like, they know that I want them to be scared. So that that's what I learned. That, that was kind of what it was. And, and it was, it was great. Like, I, if I didn't shoot 84 in the last round, who knows what the rest of the summer would have been. If I had finished 25th, you know, just shot 76 or something like that, which would have been totally acceptable. Who knows what would happen? You know, so it was, um, it went down swinging. That's for sure. Swinging a lot. <laughs> that's actually. right. Swinging a lot. And it, and it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. But if 2021 Jason Gore could go back in time and have a conversation with 20, 2005 Jason Gore before that final round, what would you say to yourself? Don't eat pizza. <laughs> That's not going to work. He's not going to listen to that. That's right. Um, I would say just be patient. Like just fairways and greens at that point and just see what happens. And, you know, it's like, you can, you can only control what you think and how your body reacts. And if you hit a bad shot, so what? You know, I just don't think I thought very well. I think I got so far into the future. I would have given them the old adage of, hey, just one at a time. Just but, and, and mean, enjoy enjoy the little battles. Enjoy the little thing like, hey, I hit this. I hit a great shot. I hit a, right in the middle of the green. That's an awesome shot. Good for you. And just not like constantly keep looking at outcomes of, Dang, I need to make birdie here, and I hit it right in the middle of the green, and I made par. Dang. So anyway, when yeah. you look back, though, it's like, I mean, can you compare the nerves you had to anything else? Because the whole place was rooting for Jason Gore. I mean, the whole country was rooting for Jason Gore because it was such an incredible story, and you embraced them so well. Like, what were those nerves like Sunday morning? And then when you get to the first tee, knowing, I mean, here's Ratif Goosen, and they don't give a damn about him. They, they're pulling for Jason Gore. Defending champ too. Uh -huh. Yeah, defending champ. Um, the, the the worst part was I didn't start till three thirty. Yeah, I think I got there at ten. You know, I got there at ten, hit a couple balls, and then went in and had lunch, and went and hit a couple putts, and went in and had second lunch or whatnot, or and then <laughs> you know just I was well fed. Put it that way, and then went out and warmed up, and then you know you just kind of got the motor running and the motor ran probably for too long and you know but I didn't know what to do the last thing I wanted to do was sit there in a hotel room and think I wanted to get out and be involved and, and do something but uh, yeah there was a lot there was a lot to that and I think it I think it kind of scared the hell out of me and, and to the point of I liked being a good player but I didn't like what went along with it so um, like I'm pretty reserved and I'm a pretty quiet guy like being social like I'm a social person but it takes a lot out of me does that make sense like like I go out to a PGA tour event now and talk and talk and talking and, and you know even at work and like the first time I've ever actually had a real job and I come home and I'm exhausted like it's just it's a lot for me to kind of do that I'm just I, I'm totally fine sitting here you know, plan one of these things and just being quiet and, and doing that. So I think that kind of scared me off a little bit because I mean, it was, everything was thrown, especially after, after winning on tour and, you know, and I click on the computer and I'm on the top line of pgatour.com and stuff like that. And it was, hey, we need you for this. We need you for that. And finally, I'm just like, dude, I'm out. And I think I probably used that a little bit to my detriment to, because I was, Kind of scared of 
of success. I made sure of it. Does, sure that, does that give you more of an appreciation for these top guys nowadays, like your Rory's, DJ's, Brooks's, where every round, every shot, anytime they have a bad round, it's like, what's wrong with this guy? And what they go through week in, week out with the media and stuff like that. Now that, that you experienced it and you've seen it firsthand and talked about how you didn't like it, do you have kind of a better appreciation for what these top guys have to do and how under a microscope they are every week? No question. Who's the tennis player that, that just withdrew from the French? Was it Naomi... Osaka. Uh, yeah. Osaka. Like, I get it. I get where she's coming from. And, and, like, that's why I'm so protective with players. You know, like, I was with Rom last week, and he just kind of, like, gave me the look, like, all right, I'm done. And I'm like, all right, he's done. We're out of here. We're getting him out of here. Like, this is – we're going to go let him take the trophy and go enjoy this. So that's why I'm super protective of players when it comes to to all of this stuff. And, and – like, I get it. I, it's, it's tough. It's like, not everybody can be Phil. You know, Phil's yeah. sprinkled with it. And he loves it. And he feeds off it. And it energizes him. A lot of us, a lot of it just, just wears people down. And, you know, Naomi Osaka, like, I get it. I get where she's coming from. And, and I think, you know, Bryson kind of likes it. Brooks kind of likes it. Like, they feed off that. And that's, and that's, um, that's what kind of makes them special, I guess. Yeah, it's no doubt about it. It's not for it's not for everyone. But you mentioned like you went on that run after the U.S. Open. You won your the three Corn Ferry Tour events, and then, I mean, it could be the greatest coincidence in PGA Tour history. You go on and win a tournament called the '84 Lumber. I mean, <laughs> what are the odds of that? <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, who, you can't make that up. No, it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's, so, it's the best. It's unbelievable, honestly. So weird. Yeah, it's um I don't even know what to say. It was just kind of like ironic. And here's the best the best part. So I made a commitment to go back to Boise. Jeff Sanders asked me, Hey, will you come back to Boise? This was before I won. So I went on tour the week before and somehow get the tour to approve me going because basically I'm not a nationwide tour member anymore. And I get I fly in there and get on the freeway. And I get on freeway I-184. <laughs> Can't make Just it up. everywhere. Yeah, it was right there. Like, so um, it's just crazy. So that just that number pops up a lot. It's probably my IQ too, but um, but yeah, it's just it's just weird. The random 59s and the random 84s. Just, maybe it's that just explains, a form. That explains the 84 tramp stamp you have. I yeah, that's it. right. You want to totally I didn't know we were going to talk about that. I was going <laughs> to, I was going to keep that quiet, Jason. Sorry, right. sorry, Dad. Uh, well, let's uh, let's stay on the theme of uh, U.S. Open weekends here because you just got done out at Torrey Pines. There was an odd number of guys to make the cut, and you get to go out there and play 36 holes on the weekend at Torrey Pines, knowing that that's a possibility going in that you could be the marker. Had you been practicing at all or doing anything or hitting balls leading up to that? Or did you just show up and say, give me the hardest test in golf? I, I, I panicked and went and hit balls on Friday night at, at the golf course at Torrey Pines under the lights. And it was so much less dramatic than when Bryson did it. <laughs> and it just, but I, I, had, I think I played Tuesday the, the week before with Casey, my buddy Casey. Had, and we played at like 6 o'clock and ran around 18 holes at the Bridges. And that was it for five weeks. So I had nothing. Like, I'm just, that's not a, Torrey Pines on a Saturday in the U.S. Open. 
It's not a place you want to go into unprepared. No, Maury so, yeah. Pines anytime or just yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about a couple of the, the guys you played with because you played with a young kid, Akshay Batia, and then you get the Wilco knee knobber. Which cool. first off, tell us about Saturday because I read an article you shot you thought around six over. That's right. And then That's Sunday right. you're playing with the the future of golf and this Wilco knee knobber. Tell everybody about this kid. Um, so we teed off at 6.30 in the morning on Saturday. And if anybody's watching, like, there's the, the marine layer and stuff like that. And Casey's chatting for me. Mike, I, I fired Mike Davis after Saturday. <laughs> um, so Casey's chatting for me. And he gets up there. And, of course, he's got the honor. He's actually playing in the event, right? So um, I'm just placeholder. He takes it up and over the right-hand bunkers on purpose. And it's like three, I'm making a number up, 320 to carry it at 630 in the morning in yeah. gloom. And I looked at Casey and I go, I'm not taking that line, dude. <laughs> First shot of the day, he hits a 368.9 or 367.8. Well, something he hit a 370 basically, right out of the box. And I'm like, Oh God. And then a couple of times he, he had one on seven that I just kind of like put my head down, shook it and just started laughing. Like it was asinine how far he hit. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, like Bryson looks like he's giving it a hell of an effort. Yeah. Uh -huh. This guy just kind of like, like it's just all of a sudden he took it back and everything got blurry and it was gone. But it was just, uh, he was, he was, He's got great hands too. Like I was super but, shocked at how well, like how good his putting stroke looked. He chipped it nice. He got he had a few you know waywards, which is probably why he's going off at six thirty on a Sunday. But um, he was super impressive. Good kid too. But you 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 work for the USGA, who we've had this distance debate for a while now, and here comes this twenty one year old kid that's really not that big, and like you said, doesn't look like he's trying to kill it or fall over or anything. He's sitting at 370 at Torrey Pines at sea level. Do you come back and tell the rest of the USGA, uh, guys, we might have a problem here in a few years? I, I mean, I went to Thomas Pagel and you know, listen, I'm, a, I'm an open book when it comes to this. And I'm like, how do you stop it? Do you yeah. want to stop it? Like, this guy's just, he's a freak. And I think it's going to come, you know, full circle up here. And, and so that's my question is like, all right, how do you stop that? So you're going to stop him from hitting a 370 and roll it back X amount, and now he's going to hit 350? Like, I mean, it, it, they're just, there's people out there that are just better trained, more, more, you know, stronger, faster, bigger, and better fit. And like, it's just, hey, you know, we don't do this to roll that car window down anymore either, you know? So um, times move on, and, like, you're just going to start seeing these kids come out and they're, they just, they know more than we do when we came out. So how are you going to stop that? Yeah. So what was the conclusion? Did you guys have any kind of discussion? Like, do you want to change or do you just keep it the same? Like, look, he is teeing off at 630 on Sunday. So clearly this is still a challenge for him, but there's just more and more of these guys coming up. It's not going to be the handful of guys that do it. And then it's going to be, there's 20 of these guys and there's going to be more and more. Do you, is, is there an answer for it? I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't either. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be more conversations about it. I mean, I'm dead honest with you. Like, I, we don't know. 
we don't know how to stop it. I mean, we know there's issues, right? There's 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 resources issues, there's land issues, there's all of these things. And you know, we know like if this starts to keep going in that direction, then you know it's gonna be it's gonna be too expensive to maintain a golf course. We're gonna run out of land. It's gonna be X and this over here and this over here. So we know there's a problem, but we don't know exactly what how to how to solve that. And that's why we're still going through the uh, you know, trying to get advice from manufacturers and so many other outside agencies and that's the, that's that's the issue. We don't know. Yeah, it's alien. Know. Alien golf. Well it, it, it was it was phenomenal. Like it just the sound it made was just sounded like a cannon was going on. Well was, another Another issue has been obviously the pace of play and your good friend and caddy Casey Kirkman said, you might be the only marker in history to hold up the group behind you. Oh, Jay Gore. What? <laughs> He's like, he was the only guy that was putting out while the other group was waiting. <laughs> I picked up like eight times. <laughs> <laughs> That's your boy throwing uh, you on the bus. I know, I know. If, he, if he could keep up, you know, it'd be all right. But no, we, uh, I think on Saturday, Akshay was was grinding, and we had some guys standing on their hips. And I just, I literally cleaned the ball like four times. It was just kind of like I got on the green and got out of his way, and I just stood there to make sure that Jimmy Walker and Siwoo Kim saw me standing on the side <laughs> to make sure I didn't think like, "Dude, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Hey, I got nothing." You know, Akshay's grinding; he's he's working. I'm I'm just over here. I'm just. Just the male model over here, so it's uh, a male model. The bugle boy. Just some <laughs> eye candy. Just some <laughs> eye candy out there for everybody. Jason, did those thirty-six holes at Tory make you miss playing and competing more, or did it make you glad that you aren't out there each week trying to beat these guys? Yes. Both. Yes to both. Yeah. Like it was cool to be inside the ropes, and then I'm then I start thinking like, okay, I played with two guys, and they still don't add up to my age. Then I'm actually. You still don't add up to my age plus eight. So, and then I play with Akshay and he's out hitting me. And I'm like, dude, I, not almost, I completely double outweigh you. Yes. <laughs> I, was, I had another joke I was going to go to there. I was no, say, like completely double. He's I like, well, I'm 127. And I'm like, no, well, I'm 250. And I, yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, just. And I'm like, what, is that my ball? And your ball's way up there? Okay, I'm just going to hang out here for three years and see what happens. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, uh, there you go. Because we want to know the answer yeah. to that. So do I. Here, here you are. I mean, are you going to give it a go when you turn 50 or 47? I, I, I want to be prepared. Because, I mean, I still won't play. And I'm super happy where I'm at right now and just and being so involved with, with, with the game. But um, – I still love it. I still love it. And I, you know, kind of going out there and competing and not knowing that, knowing I can't compete at that level. That's, that's a joke, but um, I'm just kind of like in, in no man's land right now with my age. And, and I, like I said, I love doing what I'm doing, but I, I, I kind of want to be able to make a decision. So I'm going to start, I'm going to keep practicing, trying to, trying to, you know, get healthier. I just had back surgery December 1st and I feel awesome. So I want to, I want to think, I want to be able to think about it. I just don't want to just give up and just not have anything to do. 
Well, with what you're doing now, I, I mean, I'll be totally honest. Every player is so happy you're in the role you are because they can't rave about how much better it's gotten since you've come on board at the USGA and how well you're helping set up these golf courses. Like last week, I don't think there was one person that said a bad word about the setup, which is very, very unusual for a U.S. Open. Yeah, I mean, it, it was you had to be very careful with Tory, and we got a great team with John Bodenham and Jeff Hall and many others that that are involved. But the the scary part is, is they know that place so well, so you can't throw a trick at them because they've seen everything that that Tory's got to offer. So you just have to to give it the conditions, stay pretty similar to what Farmers does. And, and give them the rough, give them the speeds, give them the firmness. But I wanted to make sure, and I said this to John earlier in the week, John Bowman earlier in the week, and he loved it. I said, I want to make sure that they know they're not at the farmers. Yeah. Yeah. I and want you guys, them and, to know that, that this is the U.S. Open. And like Colt said, like you're getting some really high praise from the players out there since you took this job. I think Phil Mickelson said last week, Jason Gore is the best asset the USGA has. I really like him and he does such a great job. How do you feel when you hear comments like that from someone like Phil? And also, how much did you have to pay him to say that? A lot. Yeah. Um, it makes me feel it makes me feel really good. I, I don't know why he said that. I was very honored. But, you know, it's it's a team thing. Like, I, I'm just... I'm just adding an element to, to an already great team. And, and I just, listen, they know what they're doing. They completely know what they're doing. I just, I just see it differently. Now they do. I, I, I truly believe they do. I just think sometimes they, they try to push it a little bit too much when it really doesn't need it. You know? We're not, we don't care about par anymore. We want, we want the best player to win. And if it's 13 under, like it was, and, at, at Pebble Beach with Gary, then so be it. Like, you know, like that place, if we'd have gotten wind and we'd have gotten, you know, some funky weather, like that could happen. If, if it, the golf course would have been fine. That's what happened at Shinnecock was the golf course was fine. It was on the edge and then the wind blew and now it's not fine. And then you get in trouble, right? So you got to be prepared. Like if, if Torrey Pines, the, you know, the, the overcast blows out, I mean, you get a win that switches the other way. Is the golf course going to be okay? Well, yeah, it's it's been okay the last three years, no matter what happens. But I think that's the difference is you can't you can't stop these guys from or these players from hitting a great shot unless you do something necessary. Why would you want to? But I want them if, if they're going to try to hit a great shot and they execute, then they're going to have a putt for birdie. If they don't, they're going to be busy. Like I, I want them to. I want them to like have to pay the consequences, which I think uh, Tory Pines was so so good, especially when I played Saturday. I'm like, God, I want to go for that whole location, and I know I can't. Well, you know, can you like just... tempt me to do something dumb that I don't need to do. Well, just please never set it up again so Gary Woodland could win. That'd be great. If you've done a great job, except for that year, we've been getting <laughs> yeah, some great champions, and that you one year that's the throwaway year, but you can't win them all. Yeah, we'll let it slide, but never I'm again. Learning. I'm still learning. Uh, yeah, exactly. All right, should we get to some E9 sleeves? Yes, Jason, let's do a little E9. These are just nine fun questions here we ask everybody. Some are about golf, some aren't. We just have a little fun here. So you want to start off, BG? Sure. All right, here we go. Ask this to everybody. If you could switch lives with anyone for a day, dead or alive, who would it be? Who would you want to be for a day? Eddie Van Halen. 
I figured with uh, the background and all this, I thought yeah. this would be something along the line. Had to be that would be, or, or some other rocker that's just maybe like Mickey Six or something like that. Something that's just for rock You would shred. Yeah. Get you some makeup and a wig and uh, let you get out there. Maybe like a vest, shirtless underneath. I mean, you would. That would be it. Chaps. Yeah. Chaps. Yeah. Chaps for sure. <laughs> chaps for girls, sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Eddie Van Halen. That's a good one. I figured it might be a musician. Okay. Number two, your PGA profile says you're a mixed martial arts enthusiast. All right. If you got into the octagon, which PGA tour player do you think would give you the toughest fight? This is interesting. Cause I, I was racking my brain. I don't, I don't know if I mess with co -crack. That's a popular he was, in, he was in the discussion, yes. Yeah, I don't know if I'd mess with Kokrak, and I don't know if I'd mess with Brooks. Mm. I don't know. I think you just, Matt, you get it on the ground. I don't think Brooks could, I think he'd be helpless down there. You get that thing on the ground. Start grappling, you know? You're Kokrak, a ground-to-pound guy. Kokrak would. I don't know. Like, if you just shake his hand. He's like, well, Finau, too. Like, you shake their hand, their hand just, like, engulfs your whole life. This, but it's um, yeah, Kokrak would he'd make me nervous. He's country strong, country he strong. Is. Like, you just look at him and you kind of walk up to him, and you're like, dang, dude, you're a lot bigger than you look. Yeah, yeah, he didn't need the gym. He just, all right, staying on those lines. Most of these fighters have fantastic nicknames, you know, got John Bones Jones, the notorious Connor McGregor, Dustin the Diamond Poirier. What would Jason Gore's Ooh. nickname be? Ooh. Ton of fun. <laughs> what is it? Ton of fun? Jason, Jason Ton of Fun Gore. Ton of fun. That's actually actually really fitting. Ton, <laughs> ton. We define that loosely, but yeah, ton of fun. Now fighting out of the blue corner. Jason Ton of Fun, ton of fun Gore. It's not really intimidating. But uh, yeah. uh, I like it. That's great. Ton of fun. Shit, that's Just good. In my head, uh, yeah, you thought about that. All right. I got business cards made. Yeah, you already have that. You got. I know you got a shirt or a robe back there somewhere with it. Trademark. Yeah. All right. Stand. Next question. All right. Who has more khaki pants in their closet, Jim Harbaugh or Mike Davis? What material? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Cotton or hundred percent cotton. Hundred boy. Cotton. Because we know you USGA guys like the khakis and the white button down. Yeah, we like dark gray too. I'm gonna yeah, have to very go with Harbaugh. I think I have to go with Harbaugh. Okay. If you went with pleated pants, I, that would be a tough one. Mm. We, I think we might have to investigate this one day and really figure it out. Yeah, I think Mike Davis might have taken over that Bugle Boy endorsement once they let you go. No, he loves, don't, don't get me wrong. He loves the khakis, but it's. Uh, they got a lot of dark gray too, a lot of navy too. Yeah, so, you got to hide the sweat. You get in some hot places, you got to hide that sweat. Amen. Yeah, sweating right now. You ain't no rookie. All right, Jay Gore. As a fellow PGA Tour caddy myself, I respect the job that Mike Davis did on your bag this past weekend at Tory. But if you had to give some constructive criticism to your boss on what he could work on as a caddy, what would it be? Raking. That's a tricky one, dude. It's a tricky one. Uh -huh. I heard there were some complaints from Jordan Spieth and Michael Greller. Yeah, I heard that. Did they really? <laughs> was that. there some complaints? <laughs> I heard that. He, he, well, I was just playing. It was just all over the place and get to the fourth hole. 
And um, I hit in the right bunker. I just kind of wedge it out, get it up there. And then there was a missing putter cover. We found it. And he, I saw him rake it. And then I go up there and I wedge it and just move on with the day, right? So the guy in scoring, Rob Octopus in scoring from, our, from the USGA, he goes, Jordan wants to talk to you. Yes. Something about a bunker rake. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, I, I watched every one of them. Mike did fun. He goes, no, no. I thought he was kidding. And then he goes, no, no, I think he's serious. So I call Greller and I go, talk to me. And he goes, dude, did you guys head to the bunker on four? And I'm like, well, and of course I'm trying to, you know, see why, see it. CMA, right? And I go, well, yeah, but I mean, which part did you hit it in? <laughs> and he goes, well, we were in the front right corner. I'm like, wow, God, that's right where I was. <laughs> and then he goes, um, yeah, Mike Davis didn't rake the, the spot in the bunker. And I go, the divot. No, he didn't rake the, like, the ball rolling down. I said, were you guys in the divot? And he goes, no. And I'm like, then what are you worried about? Yeah, like, relax. That is fantastic. And then, of course, the marshal there, you know, bless his heart, goes, Mike, Mike Griller goes, what is this? And he goes, oh, Jason Gorgon in here. Mike Davis didn't rake it. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, oh, no. But luckily, Michael saved us. And, and uh, Greller saved us and raked it. No harm, no foul. But it was just. That is that could have been bad. See, Colt, that's why I took so much time at Colonial. I was terrified. Oh. That was the one thing I was like, I, if I do, if I mess up every single other thing, I'm going to overrake the shit out of these things. I don't want to be the guy that, that blew somebody's. No, you looked up and saw the TV camera on you, and you're like, hmm, I wonder how long I can stay on here. I didn't think Dub was playing well <laughs> enough to be on TV, honestly. <laughs> All right, raking well enough. Yeah, yeah. All right, next one. You're the player relations director for the USGA. What is the most ridiculous complaint or request you have heard from a player since your time being at the USGA? Tuesday practice room, bad hole locations. Oh, wow. You don't have to think about it. That's nice. No, because no, I set the flag. I set the hole locations on purpose this year to, to get a couple to come in and yell. Okay. You're feel free to name drop. Yeah. I call them gambling pigs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I agree. I hate when they're on the side of a hill because of, obviously I'm gambling. They weren't on the side of the hill, but there was a lot that were just kind of right on the, the flat. of. Do you want to let us know who complained? Maybe some initials or like a uh, nickname we could guess. I'm going to do it. Age. You're no, you're no maybe fun. college. Oh. What college they went to. Right. Okay. That's why you're the best. That's why you're a true pro. I don't All kiss right. them, especially when the seagull does it. Oh, well, yeah. here we go. <laughs> Funny you should say that. Any truth to the rumor that the streaker that jumped onto the 13th fairway to work on his short game on Sunday was actually Charlie Hoffman? No, that's some things golf, going around. His golf swing is way too long and way too good. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Good point. What did happen to that guy? Because if we saw him, someone form tackled him. Nice. Whoever did that out of the cart was nice. But what happened was, to that dude? Yeah, it was the sergeant. I talked to him and I'm like, why didn't you just hit him with the card? He goes, too much paperwork. I'm like, oh, there you go. Hard like, thinking. California. Be in trouble. He just, he just, he goes, I gave him a forearm shiver and down he, down he went. 
So yeah, I, I, don't right. I don't understand that. That was a nice, nice tackle. It was. Better. I hope it was a nice check he got from whoever bet him he wouldn't do that. Did, I guess he was a social media influencer or something like that. This oh, is, I, yeah. The social media ruining the shocking, world. Shocking, yeah, shocking. Yeah. All right. All right. Next question. You're 47 years old. You've been beat up. You've been battered. You've had some tough injuries on the golf course. What's been the worst? Hmm. Oh, the back. The back? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. What's God, I wouldn't have guessed that. Hmm. What, what do you think? think? What do you think, Cole? Probably, there was a time at Sherwood Country Club, maybe. Oh, when you ran over my foot? <laughs> broke, my, <laughs> broke my toe? Oh, God. Oh, it's, see, now the truth started to come out. So he told me for years that I broke his foot. Now it's a toe. It's a toe. Yeah. It's it's gonna, yeah it got a blister. It's on hey. my, foot. My, my big toe still goes like sideways. God, you would have thought I amputated his leg. I mean, good. He did run his foot over with a car. I mean, for the record, he was in the passenger seat. He got out. And when you go to get a club out, do you ever put your foot underneath the tire? I you typically don't, but you're standing there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can honestly say I'm, that's the only time I ever think I've legitimately hurt somebody on the golf course. What year was that? Oh, God, it's 10 years ago, probably. At least. Yeah, right. Gore was playing his greatest golf and then he <laughs> broke his foot. Had to <laughs> freaking go on the IR for a while. Jesus, unbelievable. That's what happens when you get drunk behind that that, that golf cart. It's still I don't dangerous. even think we were drinking. <laughs> That's the sad thing. That's what happens yeah. when you're not drunk, dude. Then yeah. you don't you don't drive as good. Oh, <laughs> um, all right. Good to see you bounce back from that though, Jay Gore. All right, here we go. Next one. Best performance of your life. You're 59 at the Cox Classic in Omaha, or your barroom karaoke performance in in Fort Smith, Arkansas. I heard from this from numerous people, by the way. Yeah. Do you want to well, tell us what you did? I don't know. I had some pretty good performances at the piano board in Vegas, too. That might have been a good You're one. a performer. That's what you do. What's your what happened to? in Fort Smith, though? You remember the song? Well, I mean, I only had like two that I sang. What were they? Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. What else? Well, confirm or deny, I was told okay. it was Sweet Caroline. No, deny. Oh, that's well, that's, that's, my that's sources true. are shit. They honestly, they don't have many brain cells left. It could have been. Uh... Gosh. Why don't you just grab a guitar behind you and give us a yeah, What do you got? Uh, the thing is, is I hate singing. Hate it. He hates singing. He hates playing good golf because he's got a doctor. It's going to be hard for you to be a performer, I, I Jason. I don't like being on front, I guess. I don't know why. But... Hates you're awards. a terrible rock star. <laughs> you'd be a, yeah, you're the opposite of a rock star. I know. For one day, you could do it. But no, shooting for tonight was pretty fun. But going out and having, having – I miss those days of, like, hanging with the fellas. And, and, you know, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I don't, don't want to go back at all, but those are good days when they, like, you know, that was when life was, I always say like, how long have we known each other? Like, oh, 20 years. I'm like, man, we had it all figured out back then. Hmm. Just know, getting just blasted needed. at karaoke bars, yeah. letting it all hang out. For the record, John Mallinger told me it was Sweet Caroline. So now you can understand why yeah. there's some facts that are Why we don't listen there. to John Mallinger. Yeah, well, he's yeah, like a 50% like guy. 
Like a 50% guy. Well, Jay Gore, I loved every minute of this. You're doing an incredible job at the USGA, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I love your show, so it's an honor. We appreciate you, Jay Gore. Love it. Thanks, my man. Yeah, fellas. All right, well, that was Jason Gore joining us on Golf Subpar. So, I mean, he's one of my favorites, a guy that I've always looked up to, basically because one day I think someone said we kind of look alike. Dada. Yeah, dada. Dada. But, I mean, listen, he, he, he... Figured out a way to get out of his workouts at Pepperdine. Did that at SMU. Props. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. have so much in common. I love the way he swings the golf club. You know, I don't know if you know this, but I, when I qualified for the Byron Nelson in college, I got to meet him. And he was super nice. Gave me his phone number. Sent me one of his Gorilla head covers. And I actually used it the entire summer in 2007 when I won the, the AM and the Pub Links and everything. The that, year. That, that was yeah. my – I used another man's head cover. And then once I turned pro – I was like, God, I got to take this thing you off. You can't be having it if you're playing against yeah. the dude. It's okay when, when you're still an am. But looking up. He did send me one uh, last year, a little hybrid. Uh, rem- Gorilla. I oh, it's on. I know it. Yeah, and his <laughs> name might be Gary, yeah. but he is still on the bag. But Jason Gore, one of my favorites. He's the nicest dude out there. Like, I mean, we talked to him. We really found out about him in 2005 at the U.S. Open at Pinehurst when he made that unbelievable run. And, dude, he had a hell of a career. Yeah, he had a big time career, big, and people forget about it. Now he's the USGA guy, like huge props coming his way from all the all the players for the in terms of what he's done for the USGA. I mean, Phil Mickelson even came out and we talked to him about it. Like said, Jason Gore is the best asset the USGA has. Like, and that's from a guy who has had his issues with the USGA setups in the past. But I think it was perfect for them to bring on Jay Gore. He's the perfect liaison for all that. But I fully expect him to make another run at the Champions Tour when he gets out there and turns. He's too good not to. Like, if the body can hold up and the injuries and all that, like, why wouldn't he? So I think he's kind of in that flux period right now that a lot of guys have, you know, leading up to 50. And when he gets back, I would, I would love to see him out there because he's still good. Yeah, I mean, he swings it incredible, but he's done it all. I mean, he's won on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's won on the PGA Tour. He's been a male model for Bugle Boy. Right. I mean, 100% cotton, need? the last dude. He, <laughs> he played in that 2005 US Open in, like, cotton, 100% cotton. Put these dudes out there now at these tournaments. And give them 100% cotton. Let's see how they do. That shit is like anti-breathable. It uh, just soaks up moisture. The cloth- clothing technology doesn't get enough credit. Oh, I mean, it's come so far. It is unbelievable. I remember we wore a company at SMU. It was called Fedra. And it was basically a short sleeve sweatshirt. Oh, it dude. was the most disgusting thing. Ours were like beach towels. I was like, I could dry off yeah. with this shirt. And it was the worst. We had the pleated shorts and I was halfway up my <laughs> knees. And I was like, I look like an asshole. How am I supposed to play golf out here? No visors. It was the worst. Shit, when Tiger won the... 2000 U.S. Open, he had sleeves halfway down yeah. his shirt. I was like, make, I mean, he was still hitting bombs. So, I, I don't know. It's but, come a long way. Shout out Jay Gore for getting it done in Bugle Boy. Awesome. But love sitting down with Jay Gore. He was awesome. All right, Sleece. We did not have a very good week in the betting game. Uh, the John Deere Classic was not very kind to us. I mean, I took Brian Harmon, who's basically just printed money every single week this year, averaging probably about 150 grand a week. Yep. Uh, missed cut. Actually, didn't even sniff making the cut. I think he missed by like four. Cooled him right off. And you got... I had Sung Jay, who I've been waiting on, just figured I had to pick him. I didn't knock this course for any reason. I was like, I can't bench Sung Jay for the entire year. He cruised up with what? Mark a little smooth 17 thou? Picked himself up a Honda Civic? Yeah, a little T47. Mm. $17,339. Top 50. Grows your lead to $891,058. Dollars. You can't rest on that. Can't we still got some big boys coming up, namely this week. But I knew I'd get a top fifty out of Sung Jay. Almost well, auto top fifty. You used him very well. <laughs> yeah, got the, got my money's worth. All right, but we are on to the open championship, the final major of the year. Obviously a huge purse. A lot of stuff can happen. I know you're hoping for some chaos over there with the weather. This is one of my favorites because this is great. On the weekend, I mean, I can be out down at Bevy in Old Town and I watch it. Then I come home, 
I fall asleep, I wake up, and it's still on. Wake up, hungover, it's boom! I'm back in the game. It's the, it is the best. It's awesome. I do hope. I I don't. I want it here more than anywhere because those golf courses need it. If they get over there and it's calm and you catch one of those waves or something, it's like that's not how it's supposed to be played. And that's when you can see some weird stuff happen. The only thing I don't want is one wave to get the shit draw, one wave to get the good one. And then it just chops the field in half. Basically, like when Louis won, that happened. Like nobody was making it from the other wave. I played one weekend. open championship, happened you to got me. Shit I would have won. Of course, probably yeah. changed your career. I get it. I never had a good mm -hmm. wave in any jick of all time. So I don't want that to happen. I just want it to be consistently nasty for the entire week. It is such a cool event. I only, I only played one. It was at Royal Troon. But the walk-up 18 with the with the stands and everything, it is so – in the big yellow scoreboard, it is so cool. But, I mean, you know, everyone tees off number one, so the the, the bad wave can't happen. But like, I was the next-to-last group on Thursday. I teed off at 4.05 p.m. Nice. Like, Just getting ready for happy I wake hour. up, I'm like, what in the hell am I supposed to do all day? I That's, didn't finish – I walked off the golf course at 9 o'clock. you got to try to go to bed at 4 a.m. Just stay I mean, up, drink a couple bulls, bang through a few seasons or something, and just try to wake up at one. That's too long to sit around and wait and think, especially for you, your first open championship. Like yeah. you're already hyped up. You want to you want to get in the arena and get going. I'll never forget. I got up, had breakfast, watched some of the coverage, took a nap, got up, had lunch, took another nap, yeah, took another <laughs> nap, went and hit balls, went and had some more food, went and hit balls, second lunch, go. nap, like, Jesus, and then go. Get me out of here. That's a disaster. Right. I love the Lynx golf. I, yes. I, I freaking love Lynx golf. This is pure Lynx over here. We don't really have anything that's pure Lynx in the, in the States. Love this stuff. Creativity thrives. All right. Well, let's get to it. You have the honor. All right. I'm going to go with a man here. I got to get him off the roster. I mean, I got some big dogs left here, but I'm going Brooks Kepka. I believe he's going off at 12 to 1. I didn't really realize this. Kind of sneaky, but three top 10s in his last four open championships. Uh, two top fives in his last two just major championships after the you know the knee Every situation major exactly major specialist. If I don't take Brooks Kepka in a major this year, I'm gonna feel like an asshole. I could have had him in one of the last two top fives. Would have been nice, but I'm using him uh, this week. I got Brooks Kepka. Got to empty the chamber, like I said. So go with the go with the specialist. Yep. I was leaning towards him. I actually haven't used him. I've just butchered this whole contest. It's absolutely embarrassing. <laughs> That's what we ever, do. Ever since I went against Justin Thomas at the players when he talked to, talked me out of picking him. It's just been an absolute disaster for me. So here we Who go. I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. There you go. <laughs> just finished eighth over uh, at the Scottish Open. So played really well. I think he's learning how to play over there. Doesn't have the greatest open championship record, but I know you and I both love the way he flights the mm -hmm. ball, um, you know, changes speeds. And I think it's just perfect for over there. If he can just get the putter going, it's been a problem. But I think he's like the fourth or fifth betting favorite. So here we go. Justin Thomas, if you play like shit, I'm sorry. And he's just coming off a of top three wood last week, so he's th that means he's this close to Peaking. getting it done. Top three woods are no problem. I look at those as a, as a uptrend. Like, dude, you're close. You are millimeters away from flushing it. But, yeah, dude, I mean, you pick Justin Thomas after 10 missed cuts in a row. I'd be like, yeah, it's going to happen at some point. So, All right, uh, Brooks and JT, we're emptying, the, we're emptying the clip. All right, here we go. Everybody enjoy the Open Championship, and we'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar.